Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Today's guest is Aaron Lordson. Aaron is a blind assistive technology or AT educator at the Independent Living Resource Center of San Francisco or ILRCSF for short. But wait a minute. How does she keep up with the rapid changes in technology and communicate and teach her clients who have assistive technology needs? And how does even one become an assistive technology instructor? Erin is here to answer us these two questions. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. We first got to learn about you. The San Jose Mercury News says that, quote, you've been blind since birth, end quote. Tell us how you became blind. So I have a genetic condition called Lieber's congenital amaurosis, which means that certain parts of my retina are missing or not functioning. I started out with a teeny tiny little bit of light perception, and now I'm pretty much totally blind. We got to get into the road of how you got to teach assistive technology. You got your bachelor's degree, LinkedIn says, in English, in English, from Seattle Pacific University in Washington State in 2005. Now, how did that degree in English help you gain the skills that you needed to teach assistive technology clients? Yeah, that is kind of funny that I, I started out as an English major, and my vocational goal at that time was to be a writer. And I still do write quite a bit, but not to the point that it's become my day job. So you would think that English is a very low-tech pursuit, but I had to write research papers. I had to read new books and old books and a lot of books that were not available in alternative format. I had to find articles to write research papers. And so there was a lot of frantic assistive technology scrambling that happened in getting that degree, just, you know, whether I was scanning my own books or figuring out how to push an inaccessible PDF through my Kurzweil reader would scan it, you know, all kinds of sort of assistive technology fiddling that I had to do just to get that seemingly very non-technical degree. I've always liked people. I've always liked teaching. And I think that teaching and writing are sort of related because being able to explain something clearly to someone in a way that they understand is kind of like taking an idea and writing it down in a way that other people understand. So I guess they're kind of related in, in that way. You were a resident advisor for Guide Dogs for the Blind. It's the industry leading guide dog school all the way in San Rafael. What did you do as a resident advisor there? And how did that role help you work your way up to becoming an assistive technology instructor? Mostly I just was the person who was there on call if people needed things. And one thing that started evolving while I spent time with these people was that some of them were coming from areas where they didn't have good assistive technology services in their home states. And so while they were there, they would ask questions about different technologies, about JAWS or about phones, about the Victor stream. And so I started kind of just doing a little bit of teaching as people needed it and wanted it. Your LinkedIn page says 
that you became the accessible technology specialist. Now you were working your way up. At the Lions Center for the Blind in Oakland, California, in January 2011. And you finished there in February of 2014. How'd you speak out to provide this custom instruction using accessible technologies and teaching them to the blind and visually impaired center clients? That job was, was so much fun in working with different people. It was really great to provide individual instruction because everyone learns a little differently and everybody needs to learn different things about technology. You know, some of my clients were professionals who needed to really get into the ins and outs of Microsoft Word, Excel, web browsing, web research for school or work. Some of my clients were seniors and wanted to be able to communicate better with friends and family via email, maybe look up recipes and things in their businesses in their neighborhood online. So web searching. The biggest challenge probably was to stay ahead of everyone because I would have clients who were Mac users, clients who were JAWS users on the PC, clients who were Windows users on the PC. And there wasn't a lot of time built into that job to learn things or lesson plans. So sometimes, you know, it was 15 minutes before the lesson and I'm speed reading a product manual with JAWS so that I can be ready um, to, to teach that person. But really, you know, the, the main things that I did with assistive technology in that job were to take a, a large amount of technical data, read it quickly, and then break it down for people in a way that made sense to their learning style. LinkedIn says that you came back in your current role as an assistive technology educator with the Independent Living Resource Center. How did you speak out to land this dream job? One of my uh, Twitter browsing sessions, I saw this job listing and felt like it would be a good fit for my previous experience. And so I applied and, and was fortunate enough to get the, the position and um, in finding assistive technologies that they should try and kind of being a resource person to help people learn what's out there. The agency's website, ILRCSF.org, says that you do provide the support and information to people who want to explore multiple types of assistive technology out there that may address their accessibility needs. How do you provide that support and information to help the blind and disabled do things like take notes and read recipes? What you just said is kind of exactly how I start with anyone that I work with because a lot of times when people approach technology, they've seen a certain gadget and they want to try it. And that's fine. But if I'm having a conversation with someone about what assistive technology can do for them, I like to start with what they want to do. Because you could get end up with all types of assistive technology, you could spend a lot of money on it, and then say, all I really wanted to do was access my internet radio independently, or all I really wanted to do was have some techniques for measuring ingredients in my kitchen, or all I really wanted to do was unlock my door myself when I came. 
understands very well. Um, so whenever I talk to someone, I start with, you know, what kinds of things are you having trouble doing that you want to be able to do? Then I talk to them about different devices that are available. We're actually lucky enough at ILRC to have a device lending library of assistive technologies. And if some of your listeners are in California, um, this is a great thing for them to check out because it's free for all Californians. There are 12 libraries throughout the state of California, and you can try out different assistive technology devices. So if I identify something that someone wants to try, uh, if we have it, they often borrow it, spend some time sort of showing them how it works, and then they take it home and put it through its paces for about a month and then bring it back. So it kind of starts with a broad conversation about what somebody needs and then we identify the tools that they want to look at. If we have them or know of somewhere where they're available, we work with them to you know, be able to try them out. Probably the biggest challenge for most people is purchasing technology because assistive technology can be really expensive. So one of my main focuses is finding things that are more affordable. One example of that is the Amazon Echo that's gotten really popular over the last few years, or I should say the last year since it's come out, what's called an environmental control system for someone who can't use their hands or arms to do things like turn on lights or turn on the radio or set the alarm clock because Amazon Echo can be controlled all with your voice. So it's a fun, easy gadget for us to use as blind people to play music and set alarms and do all kinds of different things. But for someone who has a physical disability, it can actually give them a lot more access to their home. And because it's an off-the-shelf device, meaning it's sold to the mainstream, it's not a special assistive technology device, they can do that for a couple hundred dollars instead of thousands of dollars to get specialized devices to modify their home. So a lot of what I do is trying to stay up, up to date and look at different, you know, what we might call hacks, like things that are off-label or not what they're built for, but they work really well for people with disabilities. And so I do a lot of reading of different blogs, checking Twitter, talking to people who have different disabilities. A lot of times when people come in to see me, I learn something from them. They will tell me, I can't grip my wheelchair joystick, it's too small, but I've went and got a little Nerf ball from the kid's toy store and I stuck it on there and now it's a nice comfortable <laughs> round grip that I can get my hand around. And so when I learn those things from one person, I've got that information to share with someone else later. The lending library. How does that work? How do people loan equipment from there? So it's really pretty easy. Um, it's a state-funded program. All the states in the U.S. have some money through what's called the Tech Act, which is some money to do various assistive technology projects. And so if you're in another state, it's worth looking up what's available to you. In California, the Tech Act does a couple of things. It provides information and referral. There's a statewide number that people can call um, to get assistive technology information. There's some various trainings. And then there's these lending libraries. There's 12 of them throughout the state, and I run one of them at ILRC. There's a website where people can browse everything that's available in the lending libraries. If they go to abilitytools.org, there is a link there for, I think it says buy, sell, borrow. It's a very long link, buy, sell, borrow, AT exchange. 
that will take them to the lending libraries and they can search everything that's available. People create an account to borrow items. So they have to provide their valid address and phone number and an email address if they have one. We do have a workaround for people who don't have email because some people using this service are new to technology and they don't have email yet. That might be one of the things they're working on, but people have to provide valid contact information so that we can find them at the end of the loan and get those items back. Um, the lending period is 30 days. If people are local, we ask them to come into the lending library so that we can show them how the device works. But we do have a provision to ship items if people live in more rural areas of California and they don't have uh, a lending library close to them or if they you know, have transportation issues that might prevent them from getting to one, we are able to send items out. So the typical loan period is 30 days. People borrow things and then either bring them back or ship them back to us. And people can borrow multiple items. So if they try something, it doesn't work. They can return that item and get something else. One of our listeners, Ann Morrow, asks, does she teach blind people the iPhone and other Apple products? So I have taught people the iPhone before. Um, at ILRC, my job is kind of more getting people started or getting the the resources and so i've done some kind of intros or you know worked with people on on specific goals on the iphone but if somebody is really looking for extensive training you know multiple lessons over a period of weeks and months at this point i usually try to connect them with uh, another resource in the community like the lighthouse or the lion center um, where there are dedicated tri trainers who are doing what I used to do at the Lion Center, which is, you know, teaching individual lessons every day. Um, because at ILRC, I'm more of a, I'm more of sort of a point of contact to get people pointed towards technologies or resources. Um, so I do a little bit of iPhone training, but not as much as I used to do. You continue to speak with the Mercury News about assistive technology trends. You mentioned in one article that you use the BlindSquare app for navigating places, the Money Reader app, when identifying currency denominations, and the Voice Stream Reader app for assembling the audio playlist for documents from numerous sources. Tell us more about these exciting apps and your experiences using them. Yeah, so these are actually three of my favorites, which is probably why uh, they came up in my conversation with the San Jose Mercury News. So Blind Square is a GPS app that really seamlessly tells you what is around you. It's not the app that I use for turn by turn directions. If I want directions from point A to point B, I usually use Apple Maps or Google Maps. But if I want to go for a walk and know what businesses I'm passing, what address range I'm in, and what the streets are that I'm coming up to, I use BlindSquare because it provides all that information without me really having to touch the screen at all, which is very helpful for me while I'm traveling. I use a guide dog and so I'm directing him and I've got one of my hands on his harness and I've got my one hand to do everything else I need to do and so it, it wouldn't work very well if I had an app where I had to be constantly pressing buttons to get information. So Blind Square, you just turn it on, stick it in your shirt pocket, or sometimes I use a, a, a wireless 
bone conduction Bluetooth headset that doesn't cover up my ears. And I just get a stream of information about what I'm passing that helps me stay oriented as I walk around. I kind of think of it as the replacement for a sighted person would be seeing businesses, seeing street signs, all of that. And Blind Square is filling some of that in for me as I walk around. The other thing that I really like that it does, if you do a search for a particular business, you can track it. So you can find out if you're getting closer to it or farther away, if you've passed it. And this was a lifesaver for me on the University of Michigan campus because on a campus where there's a lot of winding pathways and open spaces and grassy areas and it's not the same as walking through a linear street grid and so if i got really turned around i could set blind square to a familiar landmark and kind of wind my way back through campus and reorient myself with it the money reader there there are a couple options out there the look tell money reader is the the first one that i got and the one i i still use just because i'm used to it i like it it's fast but there is also a free one through the bureau of engraving and printing i believe i'm an assistive technology educator i always have to mention the free options so there is two of them out there and that just uses the phone's camera to capture um, a picture of the money that you hold in front of it and tell you what denomination it is. So if you're like me and you get change back at the store and just shove it in your pocket, um, it's a good way to sort it out later and, and tell the ones from the fives from the, the bigger bills. And, and uh, then you can use your folding system to organize it in your wallet. One thing that I like about Look Tell Money Reader is it automatically turns the flash on if it needs to. So there's been times when I've not wanted to pull my money out into a really visible space, but I've been able to use it like under a table, for example, to sort of with a, an earbud in the phone to kind of more discreetly sort out my money if I'm paying the check at a restaurant or something like that. And then Voice Dream Reader, last but not least, uh, is a reading app that's used by folks who are blind, folks with low vision, folks with learning disabilities. It has a lot of high quality voices that you can download from Bookshare. If I tried to name them all, I would miss one, but it, it can pull documents from a lot of sources. And, and my favorite thing about it is that it can pull in articles from a service called Pocket. And Pocket's a service where you can mark articles or web pages and put them in your, in your pocket, if you will. So if you're on a, a web page and you see an article that you wanna read later, you just put it in pocket. I use it a lot of times for links from Twitter that I want to go back and revisit. So I kind of just take all of the articles that I wanna read and I don't have time to read them and I put them in pocket and then I can load them later in Voice Dream Reader. And it will go ahead and play through my, what I think of as my playlist of articles so I can read while I'm maybe doing something else, cooking or doing the dishes or something without having to use voiceover gestures to control my reading experience. That's cool. What advice do you have for our listeners who want to become assistive technology educators? And how can our listeners learn more about accessible technology, get in touch with you, the Independent Living Resource Center, and even other centers around the U.S.? First of all, if people are interested in working in the field of assistive technology, I would say there are two parts to that, two sets of skills to really build. One is your technology skills. If you're going to be in assistive technology, 
You should be able to use a lot of different products. So if you're a JAWS user, challenge yourself, go ahead and get a copy of NVDA or a copy of Window Eyes. Start learning other screen readers, learning other things. Um, if you're you know, an, an Apple user and you have a chance to get your hands on an Android device or a Mac, really broaden the amount of technologies that you've been exposed to and that you can work with and talk about and explain. The other part of it is the teaching part. It's one thing to be a really tech savvy person. It's another thing to be able to break that down into steps for someone else and to consider someone else's learning needs. Maybe English isn't their first language or they have a physical disability and a learning disability. And so they need information conveyed in a, a very clear fashion or they need information written down or recorded. So one thing you can do is volunteer, you know, find people in your community who want to learn something and just start teaching, developing your, your teaching skills and your teaching style. Um, you can maybe make some podcasts of your own, you know, make some recordings of you explaining things, start to kind of get some work samples. Um, there are a couple more formal ways to uh, become an assistive technology professional out there. Uh, they weren't the path that I took, but I know there's there's some training through the uh, Access Technology Institute in Arizona. Um, there's sort of a, a cross-disability assistive technology certificate program at uh, Cal State University Northridge. So there are some sort of higher education routes to um, gain this information. One other thing I will say is that way back when I was working at the guide dog school and we started introducing the Victor streams, I uh, asked to go shadow some assistive technology trainers who were working in Portland at the Oregon Commission for the Blind. And I went and spent two or three days just watching them teach. And that was really useful for me and helped me kind of figure out that this was something I wanted to do. If they're in, the San Francisco Bay Area, we would be their local independent living center. And they could either email me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at I-L-R-C-S-F dot O-R-G, or give our center a call at 415-543-6222. If they are somewhere else in California, that same website, abilitytools.org, can help them find, at our center, we call it an assistive technology educator, but the uh, sort of blanket term for my job around the state is an AT advocate. So on that Ability Tools site, there's a list of the different centers and their AT advocates. So if you're in California, you can look up what your closest center is because they're all over the states. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think we've covered it pretty well. Thanks so much, Brian. We've covered a lot, and Aaron, you're the tool to helping the blind and disabled take notes, write resumes, and find information using the world's leading favorite gadgets. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Brian. Before we go, I welcome your comments on the show. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. You may also contact me at mccallen3 at comcast.net, that's M-C-C-A-L-L-E-N, the number three. And don't forget my show website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. Look for additional links and information on today's show under the list of episodes and show news tab. 
and check out my on-demand show archive at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-the-blind. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. The 2016 Iowa Council of the United Blind Convention is fast approaching and just around the corner. April 22nd through the 24th, 2016 in Des Moines, Iowa. Ladies and gentlemen, it is going to be a big convention with lots of information. This year, our main focus is on three different topics. One, voting accessible voting what can we do how can we make it better what is there now two transportation in the state of iowa and around the country for visually impaired people what is there now how can we better improve our transportation topic three is accessibility to tv and other audio described movies we will have demonstrations on Apple TV, Netflix, and audio description in general. I bet you're thinking that sounds great. But Tyler, how do I tune in? This convention will be held April 22nd through the 24th, and we will be bringing you the coverage on ACB Radio Live Event. The first session starts Friday night at 7.15 p.m., Central Standard Time, that's 8.15 Eastern. On Saturday, we will start our first session at 9 a.m. Stay tuned and see you there at the 2016 Iowa Council of the United Blind Convention, April 22nd through the 24th, right here on ACB Radio Live Event. I'm Debbie Hazelton. You know, most of us hear so much noise from sun up to sun down. Ever notice or think about the effect that all that noise has on your peace of mind? There's plenty of research supporting the value of quiet time on our well-being. Come join me each Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, in the quiet right here on ACB Radio Interactive. That's at 7 p.m. each Tuesday. In the quiet. 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 Quiet.